Welcome, this is Mibbit Marketing and I am your host, Rachel Claver. I love helping small business owners become more confident and more capable with their marketing. So this podcast is all here to help you do just that. It's me and the help of some great guests helping you learn new skills, new strategies and ideas. Let's jump in and get started. When Thunderpants started almost 27 years ago, Selling comfortable underwear first in Nelson and then nationally and later internationally, it was like most other clothing companies. There was a women's range and then later a men's range. Sisters Sophie and Josie have seen many changes in what people have bought and who's buying. While hipster briefs were the most popular for years, now ultra-waisted, high-waisted pairs vastly outsell them. Their fabrics are designed and printed here in New Zealand and they feel distinctly Kiwi but they're also sold in the UK and the USA, so others obviously also love their designs. A lot can change in 27 years, including how we as a society see gender and bodies. After Sophie and Josie both experienced connecting with people close to them who were either non-binary or trans and started to understand that men's and women's ranges could create barriers to a whole group of their customers, they made a huge yet simple change. Depending on your anatomy, you can now either order a design as a flat-fronted or pouch-front style. While there's been a small amount of negative feedback, the response from their customer base has been largely positive. Their marketing campaigns have always shown their products on a diverse range of body sizes, and now the sisters plan to take this further to help give more non-binary and trans representation in their models. The idea that we, as a small business, can make a positive change for communities that often feel sidelined is a really powerful one. Sophie and Josie didn't just do it as a marketing gimmick, but as a strong desire to make their products more accessible. In this podcast today in Mappet Marketing, we are going to talk to both Sophie and Josie about how Thunderpants started, how they work together as sisters, and how they use their values to make significant business decisions, including exporting, design, marketing, and degendering their website. Even if you don't see the point of degendering on a website, this episode will help you hear the processes that this duo went through and why they don't regret it for a moment. This was a really special podcast for me, and I have to admit that kind of teared up in the end because I was just so thankful that Sophie and Josie both talked to me uh, they aren't def- definitely haven't done this for the marketing side of it. They're just really good people with a great business. And I just adored and felt so lucky that I got to talk to them and that you get to listen to that conversation. So here we go. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Map It Marketing. And I'm really excited today because I am talking to the sisters that own Thunderpants. Their names are Sophie and Josie, and we're going to get to talk to them in just a minute. But before that, I just want to say to you, thank you so much for tuning in every week. Those of you that are new to the show, please do check out some of our other podcasts. We mainly talk to small businesses in New Zealand and Australia with a few other experts, and sometimes it's just me. And if you have questions coming out of this podcast, or you want to feel connected to a community of other small business owners, you can come and be part of our Facebook group, Map It Marketing, where we discuss lots of stuff around marketing, and you can ask any questions you like. All right, so with no further ado, um, I'd love to welcome um, to the show, um, Sophie and Josie. Um, Now, I um, will just say that I have been a customer, I'm making a bit of a habit at the moment of having people on my show where I've been a customer. And I promise everyone that I haven't got this insidious plan of just telling you all my favorite preferences of things in life. Um, but I've always loved also the way that 
Thunderpants have marketed themselves. And what caught my eye, particularly this time, was I'm not too sure which one of you guys it was, um, Sophie or Josie, but you did a post because someone had complained about some inclusionary kind of advertising or marketing you'd done. Which one of you was that? That was me. I deal with the marketing mostly. Sophie. Yeah. And, and that really, I really loved it because I feel that a lot of brands, in fact, I just shared a post, I probably shouldn't say it's from, it's might have 10, um, and they're doing like a, um, a woman's night and they've got this woman filing her toenails with a, um, you know, like a power tool with no pants on for a woman's event. So it's like... Oh. <laughs> Um, and and I'm going to rant, I'm ranting about it. I've already ranted about it publicly already, but by the time this comes out. But I do think like there's like these old practices that are still going into marketing and that's that's on that right, like all over on that side. And then there's brands like you that are coming right across and actually understanding that, you know, we're not just in this narrow viewpoint of what sexuality, gender, all those things are and catering for those different needs is so important. Um, just to clarify, I didn't post it on Thunderpants. I posted no. it on my personal. You did. And then I, a lot of people, I'm in a lot of groups and there was a lot of groups know who I am. So they shared the name. Yes. So I wouldn't post it on. <laughs> no, I really, and there, yeah. And there were no names. <laughs> no, and I love that you weren't giving any names, but I do think that it's something that a lot of brands that are inclusive are starting to really have to fight against is those issues and I felt you dealt with it in such a beautiful and clear way too like it wasn't angry it was just a lovely gentle way that you dealt with it so without any further ado welcome to the show Sophie and Josie hi hi <laughs> and um do you want to tell me a little bit about how Thunderpants Thunderpants started and for those who've never heard of it uh, what is Thunderpants okay uh, well, Thunderpants, uh, well, our tagline always has was um, Thunderpants uh, go, they won't go up your bum. And they're um, comfy, started out just as comfy undies, mainly for women, because yeah. uh, born out of a dissatisfaction of uh, undies on the market, because I went back to Polytech as a mature student and bought a pair of undies and put my finger straight through the elastic bit mm -hmm. and then realizing that that was another $15 down the tubes so I thought I can do a better job of this um, and I d started Thunderpants with a flatmate while I was at Polytech and um, and then in 1995 so that's 27 years ago yeah so it's, yeah. it would have been a quite a groundbreaking thing because back then too like i imagine there weren't a lot of people besides maybe bend on who would still have been making it here i think then making lingerie in new zealand or yes, i count yeah. it as lingerie even though it's it doesn't it's, lacy but yeah um and and the whole sort of business around underwear 27 years ago was totally different than it is now we were quite um uh sort of leaders and that um a bit ahead of our time in the sense that we were about comfort and durability and just you know not being sort of normal sexy lingerie <laughs> like, it was a lot more about women making pants for women yeah that women wanted to wear as opposed to something that was you know for the male gaze 
yeah, yeah and I think what's really interesting about it too is like I've I was thinking actually that durability thing I, I said I've got I think I've had for maybe seven years and it's washed often but it still looks really good like it's last and it's thick but I think one of the things I think you know I hear women often say oh my gosh I just put my my husband's boxes on or something like the you know the knit ones and they're so comfortable why can't women's underwear feel like this but yours has a similar cut to that it's kind of got that high waist or you know and those well, I, I have to have the high-waisted ones because I've got a big tummy high-waisted with like you know, and they're good they don't go up your bum and they are comfortable and it's quite a nice thing to experience a pair of underwear that just is comfortable plus looks bright and fun mm, yeah exactly so they've we've, I've always described them as the modern day cotton tail I don't like when I I'm 61 now and when I grew up uh, we had big undies called mm. cotton tails that were made by Bendon or someone I think um, or some, I don't, can't remember, bonds or something. And then, but these are like the modern day version, but with, you know, some spandex in it so that they actually sort of stay put. <laughs> so we're yeah. both from an arts background. So the art and design was important to make them sort of, you know, a, a small canva, a canvas, a very small <laughs> canvas that we can put various different patterns and prints on. I was going to ask that because I, I did feel that you do design the fabrics. Is that right? Yep. They're we, all exclusive. Yeah. yeah. We used to actually design them ourselves. I started off and then Soph did many of them. And now we use mainly Greta Menzies and Wellington. So, um, yeah, it's been great. And, and, and back in the original, when we launched the product onto the market, Victoria, who started it with me, um, we had an exhibition of undies and Nelson. <laughs> And that's it. how we started. The, that's how the um, the press sort of got hold of that and syndicated it round. And they so were that all was hand the, hand printed with block prints. Yeah, those very first ones. <laughs> and is, right and back that's beautiful. Those, that's a beautiful thing, you know. <laughs> well, even the whole thing about the whole sort of ethos of Thunderpants, where it goes right back to then, where everything was very equitable and everyone, you know, like. Um, Victoria and I would do those block prints and she'd make one and I'd make one and you know <laughs> and it was, I think was, it's great and you'd be like you'd probably be like oh no if I place the block in just the wrong place on that one <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, just, it's all very funny really yeah that's awesome I love I love that story and so obviously now you would you get them do you get them printed here in New Zealand or have you had to outsource that Auckland Oh, that's great. Auckland so it's still printers. like a New Zealand made product. Yes, it's Auckland Fabric Printers in Auckland, and we'd like you to tell everyone. So everybody I, will. Goes I think that's great that you're doing that. So that they can do lots of printing in New Zealand. I love that. I, and and <laughs> what I, I'm assuming, like I, one of the other things I found quite interesting about the product was um, I had a friend that was involved in roller derby. And I know that with roller derby, for example, there's this big subculture there that are really engaged who also really love being strong athletic mm. woman and they love your product as a whole like they often will wear the pants as part of what they do well, do you do you find that we, yeah we used to sponsor a we still do we still do like we've um, we've sponsored them in the sense that we've made uniforms for them quite a number of years ago so whenever they need me they just sort of get in touch with us and we make them a few more um plus they repaid us in the sense that we did a photo shoot with them so some of our best photographs that we've had over the years have come from um, the Richter City mm -hmm. Roller Derby crew in Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> and they are staunch, fabulous, strong women. Mm. And I think that's one of the things around 
the brand is it is I do feel like it fits really well like I knew that you'd started in Nelson and I was surprised when I found out you'd moved, which we talked about before the podcast. But one of the things I, I do feel like it is a brand that just feels so quintessentially New Zealand. Like it feels like the, the styling and everything just feels so much like as soon as I put them on, I was like, I feel like I should go for a tramp now. And I'm not a tramping type of person. And it wasn't even like they were like, you know, Marina or anything, but it just made me feel like everything kind of felt like it had a place, felt comfortable and it just mm. felt, my body felt at ease, which was really nice. And if you wanted to, you could go for a tramp. Yeah. <laughs> I could have. Exactly. I could have. And they would have stayed put. <laughs> and they would have stayed put. And I think that that was one of the things that I really loved about them. Um, and so do, in terms of the business, like I, I don't actually know much about where it's sitting in terms of where, you're got, where you are, but I'm assuming you have found export markets as well. Well, export was was really challenging because we over the years we've added more and more environmental or ecological and ethical sort of practices. Mm. That's that's basically added more and more layers of um, cost yeah. onto the production. So we're 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 trying as hard as we can to keep our footprint as low as possible, and it just didn't seem easy. There was there were two problems with exporting. One was sending it all over the world. Yeah. And it weighs a lot because it's not yeah. a skimpy pair of undies. Yeah, yeah. it's quite <laughs> solid, eh? Like it's not mm. like a tiny bit of silk or something. Mm. Yeah, and the other thing is that when we send something all over the world, it's not made locally anymore. So yeah, we've gone yeah. for a different model where we have two other companies that are, that are companies that make under license, one based in Portland, Oregon, and one based in Yorkshire and in, in the UK. And they are... Thunderpants UK and Thunderpants USA and they market differently separately but they're all under the same umbrella and we have the same look and feel and we're all all three yeah. entities Thunderpants entities answer to a mother company the Ministry of Pants that Sophie and I own <laughs> we so, yeah, sometimes we sit over in that chair over there and we're Ministry of Pants. Oh, I just love the name, the Ministry of Pants. I think that's yeah. really good. Um, I, so I love what I love about that is it is hard. Like I work, um, I work with quite a lot and I've interviewed quite a lot of sustainable brands. And I, what I really like is that you've gone, if we're going to look and really look at that sustainability and look at how we're doing things and making sure that we're caring about the environment and how we're working, how do we make that happen and grow our business internationally? Mm, and yeah. so that's a really clever way of doing it. Um, I can imagine it's still scary because you kind of lose touch a bit once it's well, going over there. Well, we've been really lucky, but it, it, it is possible that you could lose touch. But the thing, the thing that really um, didn't sit right for us was because everything, because we make, we want our pants to still be affordable, obviously not to people on a, um, on a benefit or anything, but they, uh, we want them to be as affordable as possible um, for as many people as possible. And if we were going to export, we, we would have to be charging an awful lot of money mm. and we would have to, yeah, remove some of our, you well, know, ethical the, concerns. The, the bottom basically. line is really, we gave up wholesaling in New Zealand mm. because it was not a profitable exercise. So how the heck would we do it? <laughs> There's so good because I do often also talk to people who go, I'm wanting to export into Australia, but they haven't worked out that prof profitability here with yeah, retailing yeah. and I do think that it's always good to get the test case right in your own country before you manage it out and I was going to ask it because I did used to see your product in shops and I don't anymore that is because you decided to go direct yes yep. it's because we wanted to not raise our prices 
to accommodate a wholesale margin so that, uh, you know. Like and it was at the same time that we were becoming a living wage accredited as well. Oh, yeah. So we wanted, we, we had to balance up, do we pay, do, do we pay our, you know, our supply chain more or do we let other businesses yeah, yeah take we, a bigger cut than them? I mean, we had our own store uh, thrive in Martinborough and our clothing label thrive and things that we, we sort of done all this with all that beforehand, um, which didn't have a, um, it wasn't um, using organic fabrics and things but it was just the slow growth kind of situation again um, and made in New Zealand but we'd already gone through that process of ditching all that because we could see it wasn't really working mm. well it was but it wasn't you know to so much work for so yeah. little and also um, it was a fashion label so inherently it became less and less important to us to make new clothes every season yeah because one of the benefits of your brand is while there might be a few changes in the style or the cut, often when you've perfected that cut, it's really just coming through with those new designs, isn't it, every now and again? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And yep. so that production cost in terms of like design isn't having to be there because the design is a classic design. That's, That's right. right. So basically, once you've done that design, the only tweaks that will come from then is if you're adding sizes or if you change a fabrication or something, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because that but would change the weight. with a standard line, that would really happen. You know, we might take our original Thunderpants, uh, adults, flat-fronted Thunderpants, mm -hmm. and try them in a bamboo or try them in a merino or something, and that might require a little bit of design adjustment, but generally speaking, not. Mm. And with with just with this size, so you mentioned it before you started with women's. What made you go into you do kids as well? I, I remember, is that right? So yeah, and you also you had do children, any sex or children? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you had children. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. good. We got partners and then had children. So yeah. therein lies, you know, everybody wanted thunderpants. So. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a very yeah. practical reason to do it. I reckon. <laughs> You'll notice that now our children are large. We don't do babies anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, baby, babies are pretty complicated actually in terms of sizing, isn't it? So. Well, it just it was it was it was niche, and we weren't really yeah. niche. So we make undies that fit um, for a two to four. But if you want them for a baby, you can use them as an overnap. That's clever. Uh, when they're, yeah. when they're babies, but you know, babies don't wear undies. Yeah. No, they don't really, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, they're not a they're not a huge market for us. <laughs> and my, a lot of your designs are unisex, aren't they? Like you, it doesn't matter. Not not specifically. They're they're um they're we've we've now become gender neutral. Mm. So things that used to be called men's and women's are now called flat fronted or pouch fronted. Pouch fronted. And so we're talking more about um anatomy anatomy rather than i really gender. like that so they're not they're, they're gender neutral in terms of because we don't discuss gender mm. but everybody knows what they have and what they need to fit in their pants yeah. <laughs> so, and the color so range is thinking that way rather than and then assuming also, gender yeah. and and you don't assume gender in the color sense yeah either. so the pouch fronted maybe in pinks or purples or whatever and um you know the most uh, popular flat fronted is still black <laughs> I really, yeah i can imagine well actually i have a daughter um who so I, I wear a lot of bright colors um 
and my daughter um, who's 19 only wears black she just mm. only wears that I think she's reacting against my color like she just she, <laughs> oh. she said it's because it means she doesn't have to think in the morning because she just puts the same black clothes on every day yeah yeah fair enough. <laughs> well when we had uh when our girls were little you know very little and just before school and going to um daycare and things like that they were both like they're a year apart and they were both um they wanted to try all the other undies with the unicorns on them and the mm -hmm. days of the week and all the rest of it <laughs> oh yeah they would have been yeah. jealous yeah i was jealous of that stuff pressure. too because my mother was a staunch feminist so we had particular things that we were allowed to wear never allowed to have barbies you know all that sort of yeah. stuff so i was just like yeah. actively hunting out all the pretty yeah. floral <laughs> stuff so we we both did this thing where we didn't know that we were doing it but we each took our daughters to the warehouse and said there you go there's the undies knock yourself out choose a pair yeah so my um my kid uh chose Oh, I'm not sure they had they were really pink with princesses on them and they were oh, so yes, of course. And horrible yeah went home put them on was so excited put them on and, and I could see straight away from the look on her face that they weren't comfortable but she was still pretending they were because you know what is <laughs> and then um was there for about two minutes and then disappeared from a room uh, to off to a room and I never saw those pants ever again how interesting I don't is know that? what happened to them yeah. <laughs> much the same in my house <laughs> yeah well i think once you've had comfort you and you realize it feels good you realize you don't you don't have to have that discomfort you don't often notice it until you experience it very good planning much better than planning it but right from the get-go with thunderpants it was all about comfort durability fun um being new zealand made not really giving a sort of toss about yeah. what other people thought about things just let's get on with it and be practical about all this so one of the things around making it gender neutral has that also taken into play of having all the colorways across both options well we've we we sort of tried to do that as much as possible all the time but um basically we sell product based on its popularity you have to but that's that's the conventionality uh, right? the pouch fronted folk are buying pink we'll be making pink yeah you know? so we'll just make um certain things if we, if we don't have enough fabric to make something that's you know a bit of a hit and miss number, <laughs> hit and miss number yeah, we, we, we might not make it in all styles we don't make everything in all styles no. all because but we do we do try to think of popularity rather than anything remotely gender related yeah which makes sense obviously like if you can see a trend of a particular like if you had pink dinosaurs for example or something like that which would be unlikely for you know like if you had something like that yeah. Yeah. They'd be popular in everything, I'm They'd sure. They'd be popular in everything. I think one of the things I find really yes, interesting anyway. from it too, like just looking at because my kids are generation Z, and just looking at how gender roles have changed in terms of what people buy and what people think is acceptable mm. has really altered. And I think that, you know, my generation, I've really learned a lot. I've had a couple of my um, my kids friends are trans and so that was a really interesting experience for me to kind of come against that and realize well I had no issue with it but actually go changing the way I was thinking because it was more not having a barrier toward it but more opening myself up to understanding that that whole yeah. process and thought process but I, I really see with my that generation they're sort of like 22 down in particular there is no color norms yeah no, no there know. isn't 
because I was raised with colour norms, even though my mum was, you know, pretty cutting edge back then. It's been really interesting to see that that colour norm is disappearing. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Along my, with a lot of other norms. Yeah, a lot of norms have disappeared, <laughs> which is great. You know, because we should all be really free to be who we are. And I, I love that. And I don't think a lot of marketing naturally in many brands hasn't caught up to that. Totally. I mean, my kid is actually non-binary and uh, was um, was when, when they were little, I was always big on black clothes. So I used yeah. to put them in black clothes. <laughs> there was a lot of black clothes. And as a sort of a rebellion, Billy used to get really fluoro, disgusting, fluffy pink things. And I just was so disappointed. <laughs> and then, I totally get this. Just, no, I do. Put all these things on and I'd be like, oh okay and then I come home with a t-shirt that has sort of like some sort of gargoyle and black on it just to sort of try and balance it out <laughs> it is an interesting thing as a parent because I really want my children to be all they are but I do know that I have had to do some work inside me mm, yeah. around and for different reasons I've got two neurodivergent kids I'm neurodivergent too so you know what could I expect but I had to kind of grieve a little bit around that stuff but realizing the grieving wasn't me judging them it was more my world concept yeah exactly of what yeah. I thought my child would be I love the child I have but just I had to reframe myself a bit and had mm. to do a bit of work on myself well, I feel also it was it was a bit like that for us with the changing the gender language on the website yeah. so it's like the world was changing around us but you get kind of a little bit you think you're very liberal minded and all the rest of it mm. and then and then you're stuck with pronouns and it really grates your <laughs> yeah. grammatic issues. And, and when we were first asked by, we were asked by a couple of customers, I think. We were asked first of all by um, Lucy. The, mm. the, the, the Lucy, the, the UK, UK arm of Thunderbirds. Oh, really? That's like, really interesting. Yep. So they've been asked. <laughs> and they're very small, but it must have been something that was bigger earlier. I mean, it's a bigger country, let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> And, and our immediate reaction without really thinking about it was that sounds very hard, you know. Mm. Um, how do we do that with clothing? How do we also because of our customer base, customer bases has been very diverse, like from sort of quite conservative farming um, and very like the people that wrote that letter. Yeah. Yeah. A very conservative arm to Thunderpants yeah. is alongside the. Um, very non-conservative uh, um, of Thunderpants customers. And, and so it was, you know, you were all constantly weighing up that thing. But in the end, Thunderpants, we've always been or tried to be as true to ourselves as possible over and above all the other sort of stuff that goes with mm -hmm. running a business. And, um, and I just immediately now, whenever I think about it, think of Billy, who's my kid, and I think, okay, what would they think if they were coming onto this website? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't really think about how uninclusive so many brands were until I started having these personal experiences with people who were either um, non-binary or trans and realizing that those things were this weighted expectation around how they were meant to be or not to be some of them quite young you know six seven eight year olds mm. who were already identifying as non-binary and realizing that as a marketer I have a responsibility to help other brands see if they can find a way through it 
Mm. Um, you know, like I, I'll often say to people, hey, you shouldn't really have a girls section and a boys section on your website, you know, and they're like, but people like the girls of the boys section. I'm like, yeah, but it's only got pink stuff in the girls one and blue stuff in the boys and, you know, and people will complain about it. And I think, but it's not just a complaint, it's actually about making a safe place for people who mm. want to have yeah, things absolutely. that are not um potentially and allowing people to be themselves and feel included and i I mean and and all the kids that i know boys and girls they all love tights but it's 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 a really really (laughs) recent thing that tights are included just in kids wear as opposed to girls wear and yeah and men and boys do love tights they're comfortable yeah, yeah. Why would you know? <laughs> they, you know, that's why they stick them under their jeans and wear leggings underneath their jeans because they're like these are super comfortable, you know. But I do, and I do think that it is an interesting thing. I, I lived in Taiwan for a while, and one of the things I noticed immediately when I went there is all the boys wear pink because it's a Euro, it's a Western and European construct yeah. that mm. women wear pink and men wear blue. And in fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but it actually comes from a thing with the gyps, uh, gypsies or fairies, not gypsies, gypsies, but like in folklore, gypsies or fairies. I think it was fairies. I'm not getting in trouble with gypsies. I'm a solid, sorry, all gypsies. Um, so <laughs> fairies, <laughs> like cut that bit out. No, I'll be okay. Um, so fairies, they believed that if you if you dressed your child in pink, the fairies would steal it. But if they were blue, they'd safe. So dress their the girls in pink because the girls were disposable. Oh goodness! And after that, I was like, "I'm wearing blue." (laughs) Gosh, no one ever heard that before. That's that's horrible. (laughs) I know. I was like, "Oh, okay." So you're doing it in case they take the boy. We're just going to put the girl in the pink. Mm. So, but I, I think it is, it is a really interesting thing. Like, it's so weird how we put these things around, you know, flat or pouch or um, colors, and it becomes a big thing. And I love that you've chosen a way to do it so that uh, people can feel safe coming on there without having to have that whole thing of, oh, I've got to go and shop in the girls' section or I've got to go and shop in the boys' section. They can just choose the ones that fit them best. As soon as Soph changed, very early on in this decision, Soph changed the wording on um, women's and um, to adult. Mm. And within a sort of nanosecond, there was a tweet from... Uh, somebody who was just absolutely delighted to have look it's just really easy to change one word and I feel heard you know it's so weird Um, isn't it like it's such a big thing for us to have to process but when you Mm. hear that it makes you go that's worth it and it's worth it more than having the the rough letter in lots Mm. of ways isn't it yeah absolutely absolutely oh the the rough letter (laughs) I I think I think that we get a lot of letters with all those bits and pieces in there but that one just sort of really encapsulated all the things and the way she doubled down and added in all of the things all of you know the, the, we started uh, with the, the overweight gen- and the gender stuff and the and the tattoos are ugly and just ugly 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 i think she said at one stage <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting and dangerous, thing. Like, like dangerous. morally dangerous we moral, for her children. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's, it's an interesting thing because I think there is a lot of fear around changing or things, but then it's kind of what is the normal that you feel you're living in? You know, um, I, I find like for me, like let's just talk about the weight thing because that's been for me. I've recently lost quite a bit of weight and I'm still losing some. And I, one of the things I liked about your product, and I said that before, I was, I think I got the biggest size possible that I could get from you, like when I bought them. 
And being, having those, it made me feel really good. It made me feel really confident. And as I said, I merely wanted to be more active. So Mm. how is providing something that makes someone feel good and feels, makes them feel more in touch with their body and where they are in the space, a bad thing? Mm. It it isn't a bad thing. That is correct. It's such (laughs) a weird thing. And that's the same with gender stuff, right? Mm. Yeah, I don't know why, uh, quite simply don't know why anybody would be interested in what anybody else has got going on in their pants. It just makes yeah, no sense to me. That's a really good way of saying it. I think mm. I'm going to use that quote as an out quote. For the podcast. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? Like, actually, all you're doing is providing these and people can choose to come and buy them or not. But actually, it doesn't really matter if you've bought them because they say that they've got a flat front as opposed to that they are definitely women's pants. Mm. No, it makes no difference at all. You just know it's going to fit whatever's going on in your pants. And do you feel like, so in terms of your community, do you feel like you have been supported in the main, besides that that tweet? Do you feel like it was? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how, like, in terms of that, do you use that idea of inclusion in your advertising as well and in your marketing, or is it more just that it's on the website? No, we're using, we're doing, we're using it in the marketing now and, um, we're trying, we've, the last photo shoot we had all of the models, although we didn't really go on about it because it was nobody's business, but they were all non-binary. So they got to choose what, um, you know, they were sent to the website, have a look around, see what you want to wear in this shoot. And then they sent down, you know, sizes and styles of things that they wanted to wear. So they chose what they wanted to wear. So that when we get to the nasty, you know, the nasty letter was all about the offence around um, somebody that who they perceived as a man wearing a crop top. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, So that's what it was all around. So. Man, they should have been living with men sitting in the eighties. They would have been used to it. I know. (laughs) I have. They have two children, and I'm secretly hoping both of their children head off to a dance party and wear. Hot short, hot short and nipple <laughs> hot pants. <laughs> yeah, one of my best friends in Sydney used to have gold lamy hot pants. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I do think it's quite an interesting thing around um, having the inclusion, inclusion space in your advertising without having to proclaim it too. Like, I think that's quite, I think one of the things I really like about that is it's just like, this is who we are, as opposed to look we're doing this thing, which some businesses can get caught up in, but not, not so much smaller business, but like corporates can often get caught up in this kind of virtual signaling, but the, which this is not. This is just you guys sticking to your ethics and your feeling for what you do. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Sometimes we get a bit annoyed that nobody notices us. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Because, well, hey, I noticed. <laughs> Because then you do get those big names out there. I can't remember if it's Bonds or somebody now. Well, Snag, Snag is a good example because Snag yeah. uses include, inclusion Snag's in a lot great. of their things. Yeah. And, and I, that's what I was actually thinking because they did that. I was wondering if that, they're from the UK or Scotland. I wonder if there was a more of a push in the UK because they've also had that inclusion mm. side in there too. Um, but I do think that there is this real, almost a revolt now of people going, hey, let's bring people in instead of pushing people out. So I do think following that and doing that within your own capacity is a really powerful thing to do. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, and then the inclusion, we, we're just going to take, as far as advertising, we're just going to take sort of one 
area each time and like our next photo shoot we want it to 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 focus on age to have more age inclusivity so take a look and make a look at a sort of a intergenerational family shoot or something like that where you have yeah just but family yeah. in the wider sense because they possibly won't be related generational thing yeah yeah, yeah. that is a thing like you know i'm thinking my 78 year old mum would love them as yeah. equally as i would and then mm. so many um, so many times we've been told that people have been buried in their thunderpants because oh. they were their favorite favorite pairs that's mm. quite gorgeous it's, <laughs> it's wonderful it's kind of a weird thing you probably couldn't put that in your so good you'll be buried in them yeah no <laughs> not really a, a line for marketing no, no i could like marketing. um i actually it's interesting too because i think one of the things that you're doing is something that is can be quite a hard thing when you're a designer um if you have got a concept of this is what a body needs to look like and that you're embracing that the bodies are going to all look very different than mm. your product yeah mm. well i just see thunderpants as a very practical piece of clothing that fits people <laughs> yeah and it's comfortable it's sort of almost like a necessary piece of equipment rather than a yeah <laughs> like well, it is isn't it it's a base yeah. layer that's necessary it's a ba yeah and then um you know like it's doubly good if it's got something silly on it or something nice to look at yeah, yeah. absolutely but I, then when you put it on your clothesline you've got a little um sort of hmm. uh art exhibition going on and if you're having a blue day in the middle of winter having something that's lovely bright is actually quite a nice thing to have even if you're wearing black on top yeah, yeah. i am um, a I lot actually, of people who like to match with their children oh, oh yeah well that's become very fashionable now mm. hasn't it i think it's I, I feel like it's sort of not even that it's matchy it's just that the kids feel like i've got the same as you know they love their mum so they want to wear the same pants as mum and one yeah. of the benefits for you is that because you've made it gender neutral, it's possible to do, because I know a lot of mums say, this is great. There's lots of stuff that's mother-daughter stuff, but what about mothers and boys? Mm. And so this is giving people that opportunity to be able to match no matter what the gender, which is great. Mm. Exactly. Christmas, it's a good Christmas idea for everybody. Yeah. Oh, Everyone yeah. sets. <laughs> <laughs> There's a um, lot of those at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I I actually um I worked with a fashion designer um years ago. Um so and I will not be mentioning who they are, but we did an inclusion, inclusive thing with them um as a big campaign. And it was amazing. And we had people from different sizes and disabilities and things like that did this massive photo shoot. It got it was getting all this press and all this movement. And then she didn't like the end picture because she didn't think the clothes looked perfect on them because they had all these weird bodies so she canned it oh, and um and I was quite <laughs> upset about this because our whole thing had been about how everybody is beautiful and everybody is confidence and there's confidence oh dear. And, beauty. and so I love I really am drawn to businesses where they use a range of bodies and it's an interesting thing you know you mentioned about the obesity thing this idea that somehow that seeing a, a non-binary male in a crop top might make someone suddenly be also non-binary or consider becoming a female. Mm. Oh, yeah. Or mm. that seeing someone who's size 18, 20, 24 and feeling confident in a pair of underwear might suddenly make someone go and hit the donuts because they're like, cool, I just want to get to that level of confidence. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's... 
that I like that. Yeah. That's... <laughs> you know, like it's kind of it's kind it's, of a weird thing for me. It is. I it just is. don't get why people are so worried what everybody else is doing. I just don't get it. I really. Is it that they're really worried that that maybe their a close intimate person's going to say to them, "Oh, hang on a minute. I think I saw that." that outfit you're wearing on a guy last week I don't know why you're wearing it now like is that what's going on <laughs> I think it's a threat to normative society as yeah. well as it's yeah. all just very threatening to change the attitude towards things um yeah it's it's a bit, it's 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 quite strange to us because we don't live in we that don't world. live in that world mm. and it's quite difficult to sort of I find it really difficult to try and put myself in there and to imagine what what is terrifying about it well, you know I, you know like just you know you see people's responses to things and it's just like the polar opposite of yours like the, you'll see something different and we'll be going look at that person aren't they great you know yeah. they're like they're doing their thing and then other people will be like <laughs> and I think one is opening up and celebrating other people. There's a great line by a woman called Marianne Williamson, which is, "We cannot celebrate in ourselves what we what we do not celebrate in others." Yeah. And I always love that because I always think when I'm a bit snitchy about something, I'm always thinking, "Hang on a bit, what's that saying about me? And mm. what am I not celebrating in myself that I can't see the joy that that person's experiencing at the time?" Mm, yeah, I mean, I'd say for personally you know there is a shift and mm. um there has been quite a quick shift over the last it's five been years yeah and it, it's and i understand it's hard for older generations like my parents have had to like learn really fast about yeah. a whole lot of stuff and they're amazing and and you know sometimes you know one of them will misgender one of our relatives and things like that by accident and it's not but it's i kind of go you have to have grace for that because the world has changed so fast yeah. And I mean, even and personally, we might be doing all this, but I get um, pronouns wrong all the time yeah, and the whole thing. And, and that's like not a big deal, really, if you're open. It's about, it's about, it's about intention. It, yeah, it's yeah. about yeah. intention and openness. And, and I think one of the things in the current climate that I find really confusing about everything is people like the person that wrote that nasty letter to us. Mm. Um, and they got... It's people like that that go on about the divisive nature of our society these days. Yeah. Yeah. But they're the ones that are being divisive. It's yeah. like everyone else is being sort of inclusive. Mm. Um, but then there's this whole conservative thing that just can't handle it. Because it's scary because I mean, it's not yeah. their it's life a anymore. It's a yeah. threat to normal. Yeah. It's normative a, society and always when there are i mean there's always going to be pushes like this in society and when yeah. when we're including something that's new and so first of all you know the the reaction from our side is to pull everyone in and you know yep we're all in there and it's all a little bit it's all a little bit of a you know mishmash to begin with but um it's a hell of a, you know we've got some things to work out because we haven't quite figured out how we all get along <laughs> together but it's a lot better than no, you have to stay outside the fence. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. I think yeah. So with you moving, I love this, by the way, um, it, with, with you moving online, how has it impacted your business? Obviously, like it's been better not having to lose margin to retail, but have you been able to continue to grow your audience through doing that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we what first of all, we didn't need to grow our audience. We just needed to not lose a certain amount. 
Yes. <laughs> because the margins were better. Yes. So, so we needed to, um, so we gave ourselves a natural buffer by going online and keeping us, uh, um, you know, removing that, that smaller margin to sell from them. We, we gave ourselves time to step up to, to make the same amount. And, and we're there. We've been pretty much static or a little bit more for the last mm -hmm. few years. Mm. And uh, now we feel like we're in a growth phase again, but pandemic. Yes. <laughs> so I it's, know. Like, it's very slow. And yeah. We yeah. have we have increased our prices pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has yeah. had to. Yeah. And so yeah. and I guess for you, like even though things are made in New Zealand, there's still things that have to be imported into New Zealand for those things to be made in New Zealand. Well, oh, cotton, undies. Cotton, so, yes, yeah. so supply chain is, is an issue, right? Yeah. We don't grow and, cotton in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, and petrol. Petrol. Yeah, focus. petrol. Oh. Right, yeah. so, so everything, even moving stuff around New Zealand. Is and, I mean, it's not um, very bougie now, but I had salmon last night, and when I bought it, and then I saw the price, I was like, and I said to the woman, was it always that expensive? And she said, it's the cost of it getting to us now has, like, tripled. Yeah. And it was just to the South Island. Yeah. Yeah, and they need to get their, whatever they're feeding them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So everything's kind of, you know. Everything's going up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it is. It's, yes. And are you finding that, like, because obviously a lot of the technology and things around marketing has changed, that we need to do lots more video and things like that. How are you guys managing that change in terms of your marketing? Are you feeling like it's something that you're loving or struggling with? Well, Soph does most of the marketing. Yeah. Well, we, we just, we've just started um, working with uh, social media people. Cool. So I do all the social media in terms of, just what's on our feed mm. but we now do ads through a company because mm. so it makes it easier eh? yeah SEOs and all that sort of stuff they do all of that because that's not something that we i know nothing about all this we know but i always <laughs> think it's a really good idea josie just to opt out of things that's the benefit <laughs> of having a family business yeah i have that for accounts admin uh working out what time i'm meant to be at things yeah that's me <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, that's my uh, husband. So I totally get this. New product. I'm, I'm the Sophie side. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's a really lovely blend. Um, so if people want to find your product, um, I will put links. We'll put links to all three. Are they all three different websites? The different ones around the world. Yep. Yep. So I'll put links in the show notes. But if they're wanting to get them, and do you ship to Australia? We yeah. Yeah. So the the, the three companies are basically we're Australasia and Pacific. Yep. Um, US is the Americas. anywhere in the Americas and then UK and EU and anywhere that falls out of there we don't specifically nobody specifically markets to and uh, we, to be honest we don't really recommend you buy them because it's difficult <laughs> to get them there at the moment but uh, they can go anywhere yeah okay so if um, if they're wanting to find them for New Zealand Australia which is most of the listeners here where would they come to find them from you New Zealand and their email is um, so uh, just, oh, go, to the the, just go to the website. Yep. Yeah. Thunderpants.co.nz. Absolutely and, perfect. And That's all of our <laughs> social handles um, are ThunderpantsNZ. Okay, perfect. So that's, yeah, Instagram, Facebook. And strangely, Twitter. <laughs> oh, I know. I've just got into starting using Twitter again. I used to be New Zealand's most frequent tweeter. And then I took two weeks off and no one noticed I was gone. So I threw a nine-year paddy. <laughs> I'm just going back on again this year. <laughs> yeah. uh, you always like to be centre of attention until you realise that no one needs to give a shit. 
but it's funny. It's, it's a been funny a real place. pleasure having both of you on today, Sophie and Josie. And I, I really, um, I'm really excited because I'm going to write about this and stuff as well. I'm really excited to talk about that importance around inclusion and and we'll focus on the positive stuff we probably won't even mention the letter in there but i'm really glad we talked about it in the podcast but thank you so much for being part of today great great thanks rachel thank you for probably about six or seven years i've been mentioning to clients that have quite a gendered website the problems around that and i've got to be honest that when I first started doing that I was pretty much just towing the party politically correct line and not really understanding why it was so important but I do think that it is really important for us as business owners to consider how our messaging on our website can be sidelining people now you might choose that as a business coach for example you only want to work with women or that you only want to work with a particular group of people and so you purposely create a message that does that but if you're co- talking to all parents of all children or um, all parents or all this particular group across genders, then perhaps we do need to consider what our language is like and how we might be unconsciously showing a bias that we may not want to give. So maybe this week, take a look at your marketing. Are you unconsciously creating a bias? If it's one that you've put there on purpose because you have a specific target market, that's all well and good. But if you have a bias and it's showing, maybe it's time to do something about it. I loved talking to Sophie and Josie. I was so, I felt so privileged and I hope you enjoyed this session. I know that this is something that can be quite inflammatory for some people, uh, not for me, but it could be for you too. And if you'd like to give some feedback and you want to talk about this topic, do come along and be part of the Map It Marketing Facebook group and ask questions in there. The link is in the show notes or you can do a bit of a search for it on Facebook and uh, we can have a chat about what it's like to potentially degender your marketing. Have a great week. If you love what you heard today, be sure to hit subscribe. And if you love this episode in particular, I'd love it if you shared it on social media. Remember to tag me in so I can say thank you. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.